conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. I thought you'd be glad to see me. So much has happened since I last saw you. I went on a journey of self-discovery. Not this fruit matter. Train yourself to let go. You fear to lose. What you need, you already have. Can you talk? XM satellite radio. Digital cable brings you the broadcasting system. So you you talk to the radio? Actually, you do. So we're back with Richard Jefferson again, Sweet once in. more, yeah. on Stubbornly Optimistic, um, and today we're going to have a quick chat about risk management, yep. looking at the downsides, how do you manage the downsides of things, because some things are never going to go right, stuff's going to go wrong. Um, I've actually done, I, you don't know this Richard, but I've actually done a small bit about um, managing the emotional risk of being in business, <laughs> particularly when you're a one-man band, so to speak. Because um, I meet, if I have a bad meeting in the morning, then the emotional impact of that, you know, managing it, because I've got to do all the HR, everything, yeah. and I've got potentially other meetings. So what I suggested, I'll run this past you and see what you think. What I suggested was if you've got, let's say, two meetings planned um, in the morning, one in the afternoon is to put the worst one potentially and it's a judgment call in the morning and then the, the better one in the afternoon so my reasoning for that was that in the morning you're going to be at your best mm. that's when you're most productive most creative potentially most resilient and it limits the time for dwelling on the outcome because you've got to be ready for the second one you yeah. think that's going to be more of an outcome more positive and if you were to flip them and have them the other way, you could potentially dwell on it <coughs> overnight. Yeah. Yeah, which would affect another day's performance. Um, you've, you've worked in marketing and dealt with like people-focused industries for a long time. What, what do you think of, of uh, that idea? Yeah, and how did you to, manage the risks? Well, I guess to, to counteract that, I would rather go at, no matter what the meeting is, with a neutral mindset okay to what it might be right um so i wouldn't look at a either meeting as being this one's going to be difficult or this mm -hmm. one's going to be more of a chore yeah than the next one um of course the you will be able to look at a meeting or an interaction and decide oh this this is going to be difficult i'm about to I don't know, sack someone mm -hmm. that that will obviously be a much more difficult meeting than deciding on the colour scheme for next year's campaign. Um, <laughs> yes, there's, there's a bit of a, more, a different emotional investment. I guess yeah. that's what I was getting at in terms of the level of emotional investment and how do you avoid draining yourself. Yeah. You know. um, there was an interesting TED talk about this and the lady's name escapes us and she talks about uh, dealing with difficult decisions and making difficult decisions. Okay. And it and it probably applies to a lot more scenarios than difficult decisions, including like deep emotional investment interactions. And what she essentially says is that there's no difficult decision mm. when you really boil it down. Because if you look at a decision to make and one option is a considerably better outcome than the other, you pick the good option, mm. the option with a better outcome. That's mm. fine. Mm. Now, when a, what she says is when a decision actually becomes difficult is when both outcomes have a similar weighting mm -hmm. or a 
yeah a similar weighting essentially and so whichever option you choose the outcome as much as one option might be that someone gets fired mm. or the other option is that they get relocated to a department they don't want to be in both out both outcomes may essentially be the same mm-hmm. in that you will lose this person from your team if that's where your concern was mm-hmm. obviously in this scenario that I've dreamt up the uh, the better one would be where they're still with another team yeah. let's say something along those lines but the idea being if both outcomes are the same whichever choice you make is an okay choice Yeah. so there are no difficult decisions to make now I like that analogy or that way to think purely because if I was to have a difficult meeting it would be like well this is a difficult meeting but if I sit down work out what the outcomes can be and I've determined that this is the best outcome or there is a more preferred outcome for everyone and that's the route we'll go down mm. if I determine that wow this is a hard decision the likelihood is it's a hard decision or a hard meeting to have because any scenario may be equally difficult mm-hmm. or equally as beneficial mm. if it's a difficult one the chances are it's equally as difficult but or if all outcomes are weighted the same, the pressure's off a bit. Yeah. Which yeah. was, it was a nice way to think about any kind of difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I could just accept and decide to go and do something and take that risk mm. of changing jobs, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, that's an ideal one to look at. Uh, start of the year, I decided to change jobs. The risk being, I may not like the new job that I go to, mm-hmm. but... I wanted to find a new job because I didn't like where I was. Yeah. Now that, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that's a hard decision to make to decide to leave a job mm-hmm. because you don't know whether you like the next one. Mm-hmm. But essentially, if I didn't like the next one, the outcome is the same as if I'd stayed in my old one. I mm-hmm. didn't like that one. So you're, so, kind of, you're conceptualizing the, the weighting. The it's it's a profit and loss kind of thing. Yeah. It's a gains versus risk, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, in that analogy, I guess you you could say, well, if you end up in a new job and you don't like it any more than the one you're in, you haven't really lost anything. Yeah. You know. Um, and it's it's interesting how people's perception of risk really holds them back. Yeah. You know. Um, and I was my my analogy was talking about the the, the emotional risk of being in business trying to set something up for yourself and even that step just taking the idea of i would love to work for myself Mm. um is too big a a risk for people because it it, that exists as an unknown quantity you know um and i mean you've set up you had jefferson elite marketing yep um which i think you had quite quite a bit of so the success with that yeah, I mean, this was yeah. during my time where I wasn't really here um, completely I was busy I was sort of my head was in, in, in a bike mechanic kind of world while yeah. you were doing the Jefferson Elite so how did you how did you navigate the risk factors in setting that up yeah well this is it um, I found that I had a day and a half's worth of free time during Monday to Friday mm. and it was like right what can I do with this sort of time um, I've always wanted to be financially independent, not be reliant on someone else for my income all the time in terms of working for someone. Mm-hmm. So I say, right, let's start to get an idea of how all this works. Let's make it so I set up as a sole trader doing what the strap line at the time was results-driven marketing. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
which by the way you did get because you did the marketing for my first business and it works yeah, it works people this guy knows what he's talking about <laughs> in terms of the 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 uh the marketing stuff but yeah. Yeah, go on. so yeah it was that the risk being right if i start doing this and it was nice of you to say that because the idea being if i start doing this and say i can do your marketing for a person mm-hmm. and then if i don't succeed like ouch <laughs> <laughs> But you weren't afraid. You weren't afraid. Well, perhaps you were, and you went towards the fear. Well, well, that's but. that's exactly it. I knew it was a risk to do it, and turning up and having meetings with people to talk about what it was they wanted to do with Martin. Thankfully, I knew you on a personal level anyway, but there was other people who got in touch that I either didn't know so well or didn't know at all. Mm-hmm. And it was like, right, uh, God, I best... Uh, actually make it seem like I know what I'm talking about and I say make it seem like it's like no I do know what I'm talking about I swear <laughs> <laughs> so that that Jefferson elite I mean you, you've wound it up now yeah you, yeah yeah there was for the most part there was purely just not time to right. meet obligations that I was setting right for either other people and whatever else and there was two or three that I forwarded on to someone else who I knew who was doing a similar thing and mm-hmm. passed it on from there um but what was, and I think this was the turning point for us when I realised that that's what it was. Um, I was in an interview for a job before the one I'm in now. This is a few years back now. And they asked, like, oh, what if Jefferson Leaf becomes this bigger thing and you need more time to do it? Mm-hmm. And my answer at the time was like, oh, no, it's, it's more of a hobby thing so I can keep mm. other marketing skills engaged because I was going into a primarily digital focused role yeah which meant i wasn't involved in the more offline aspects of marketing and whatever else that came with it and it was that then i thought like oh yeah you know what it is that is all this was about was learning about the soul trader world about Mm. setting up for yourself about being a bit more independent and doing Mm -hmm. every aspect of business for myself and i did it and Mm. i learned it and i understand it and still do and that's what that was for, and that served its purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that was a self-fulfilling prophecy, in that, that I knew that's why I'd started in the first place, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if I just wasn't quite willing to take that risk, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know when I set it up, I wasn't like, right, this is going to be the one. This is how I'm going to work for myself. It was mm-hmm. a, yeah, I'd love to work for myself. I'd love to be doing this, but I know when I set it up, it was about learning how to do these things for myself and give this a try. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what that yeah. was about. Yeah. And so the risk there for us was about learning these new skills and trying setting up my own business. Yeah. So the risk for a big part of it was mitigated by the fact it was to learn these things, yeah. not to be the not to vehicle be, that would make me financially independent. And I suppose the the, the when you're in an interview for a for a full time job yeah. and you've got this um sort of part time industry the sole trader thing a lot of a lot of companies now kind of they, they shy away from that because yeah. they want your commitment to their role their, yeah. their what you what you want to do um well their their role is what they want you to do should i say um and i guess you kind of you kind of had to make that choice you know yeah. and um I, I was i was in a similar situation i guess with with cycle solutions in that i the the risk for me was slightly different when I when I shut it down because the risk wasn't to anything else um, or or a risk of loss in the sense of finances, it was um, a risk of reputation. 
mm. because I couldn't produce the results. And I think you mentioned there about the, one of the reasons was time, the time equation, time and money equation. Um, so you couldn't you couldn't actually do what the customer wanted in the time frames they wanted. So you had to sort of outsource it or yeah. pass it on to someone who could. And in a sense, that was that was where I ended up. Um, there was plenty of things that I, had, I knew I had the ability to do, but I didn't have the infrastructure and everything else. Yeah. Um, actually, that's that's a good point in terms of risk. Is a lot of success creation is the buzzwords is don't quit, <laughs> don't quit, don't give up, etc. But you've got to know when to move on. Yeah. 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 And and um, and let go of. You know, know yeah. when that that learning process is finished. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you, you you, I guess you create more risk. Don't you? And I, I think that what to build on that, the idea probably is is that if someone sets up a company with a belief in something exactly in that, you would likely achieve it. Mm. But the people who've gone from business to business to business to business, probably brand themselves as a serial entrepreneur. Mm. or a small business owner mm-hmm. or a, something that's more about the industry and the world that they operate in mm-hmm. whereas I would imagine Steve Jobs coming back to Apple let's say mm-hmm. didn't think of himself as a business fixer No, even though he fixed Apple mm-hmm. or well I say fixed Apple but upon his return Apple became the beast that it is now Yeah, but he did not come in with the I'm going to fix Apple he came in with the belief of I'm going to create the ultimate computers and phones and products that people actually want and yes. need. Yeah. He came in with the value and the idea yeah. and continued towards those values and those ideas all the time. Mm. If he'd come in with the idea and been a business fixer, once the business was fixed, he would have likely moved on to another business to yeah. fix, to another business yeah. to fix, to another business to fix, yeah. which might be where he reaches a point with someone or an area and you would say, right, yeah, this isn't working. I'm okay to fail here. I'll move on to the next one. Mm. So the people who've made small ideas work mm-hmm. against all odds likely had more of a belief in the idea and the ideology and the value mm. than the company yeah. as such. Yeah. Which might be a nice way to think about that. Yeah. It's it is that um it is that You've you've said it in terms of marketing and online stuff that content is king. Yeah. Right? It's, it's you can have the loveliest website ever, and and if there's nothing on it, no one's going to go there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think uh, if you're building websites, you've probably come across it. You know, the website is built whether you've built one yourself or, yeah. or someone else has built one, and then you're just waiting for the customer to give you the content to put their website live while they're busy telling you why isn't the website live. Yeah. Um, and it's that you've got to. You've got to add value in order to create something that people want, and then that will bring in the businessy side of stuff. Um, and and there is a there is an element of risk in service based stuff because we're both in that service industry, and essentially our product, for want of a better description, is very intrinsically linked to, to us as people. Mm. So there's a, there's quite a, there's quite a it's quite a risk inherent in that. Yeah. You know, that, that personal thing. Like you say, the first the first marketing business is like, oh God, what happens if this goes wrong? Yeah. You know, what happens if this bombs? Um, but I suppose this comes back to 
the the podcast we did about learning is that um, even if it fails you're going to learn from it yeah you can still derive value from it yeah. yeah and that was your that was your thing for for Jefferson Elite wasn't it yeah. it was a learning process yeah, there, was, there was still a value to be taken from what it was I was doing and that was essentially the objective in the first place yeah I think that's probably a way to understand or have an attitude towards risk is to fully understand what it is you want from it in the first place mm. so if if you're contemplating something that seems very risky to you, let's say it is changing jobs, but the reason yeah. you want to change job is because you want more money, mm. then that attitude to risk could be a case of, right, if I leave this job that I'm currently in and move to this other one and get sacked, mm. I have nothing. Mm. It's gone. Whereas where I am at the moment, I'm safe, I'm secure. I still get that money. Mm. The the attitude there is that this is about money and I can safely still have my money in this job but I'm not guaranteed money in the future of the next one because I might not pass the probation. Mm. Whereas, to go back to what I'd said before, that risk, if I, the reason I want to change jobs is from a more emotional, psychological level in that I'm just not enjoying it, mm. then the risk to go to the next one I may not enjoy it, mm. the next one, or I may get sacked from that one, but if I'm still not enjoying it, getting sacked may be the best outcome from it. Mm. You know, I think the to have an attitude of risk, you know, have to understand what it is you want from the scenario in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Um, I think, but isn't it the case that sometimes people go into it and they don't they don't fully know? It's that walking the path and knowing the path thing yeah. again. You don't fully know what it is you're doing uh, or what the and certainly in the, in, in younger years or in the, the, the early steps of, of business creation you're kind of like this looks like a good idea I'm going to go with this there's, there's yeah. sort of emotional stuff involved in there and you can get very invested in a product for example yeah um, and and that's okay to an extent yeah because you've got to take that first step you know toddlers don't don't go you know when <laughs> I, w- I watched an interview recently with um uh, a well-known guitarist a guy called Keith Urban and someone said to him well how how did how did you you know when did you know that you know you were going to like play the guitar and do this all your life and he's like well to me it's just like when did people say to you when when when, when did you know you were going to walk for the rest of your life Mm. you know and it's like it's just you you learn to do this toddlers fall over you know and business creation the first five years you know you take some faltering steps you go down that sort of emotional yeah it's that risk and reward as well to add to that um Mm. if the risk or the reward from that risk is very marginal Mm. then you may be less inclined to take that risk yeah. But if that reward is beyond your wildest dreams or very understandable what the reward of doing such a thing is, so take learning to walk. Uh-huh. It's very obvious that as a child if you learn to walk, you will be able to run. <laughs> Get your hand in the cookie jar. Exactly. Yeah, stand up. You'll be able to do all these things if you yeah. could just walk. Yeah. So you do decide to take that risk and learn to walk and smash your face off the curb and whatever else that comes with it <laughs> yeah 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 so it's probably i would imagine understanding and agreeing a lot of risk 
comes out of either mitigating the fact that the reward makes it worthwhile mm. or it becomes a necessity. Mm-hmm. It's probably the only two ways that you would... So necessity is the mother of invention. You know? yeah. uh, it's my, my, my current business creation is born out of the fact that there was a certain necessity. I wasn't um, getting anywhere in terms of the employability market. So yeah. I thought, well, what skills have I got? What can I do? So that necessity thing comes in. Um, I think I think to, to try and round this up, because I know we're, we're probably running short, a little short on time, is um, something that was was again came out this same interview with this guitarist um and uh, it was a, it was a phrase that i've actually used on some of my uh, social media stuff that um the definition of humility is remaining teachable mm. um no matter how much you know you know if you approach things from the point of view of learning um and approach risk from the point of view of learning then then you you kind of met- mitigate the consequences i guess of uh of, of the downside, you know, what yeah. what is that? There's there's actually a nice little thing. I've mentioned it before um, about fear setting that Tim Tim Ferriss has, has used, where he actively looks at the downside. What yeah. is the worst case scenario if I do X? What is the worst case scenario if I do Y? And you you quantify it and go, well, what happens if that happens? Where's my where's my you know where's my results? Yeah. No, where's my re- no, it's the results? Word finding, it's a long day. Um, <laughs> where's, what's my go-to solution if this was to occur? Yeah. You know, where's the resolution? Where, who would I call in? You know, um, And when you do that, it's like that creative visualisation in reverse. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not going to be the cataclysmic end of the world. Yeah. It's just going to be things don't go as planned. Well, cheers for coming in again. Oh, always a pleasure. <laughs> always so you've a got pleasure. you're getting you're getting dripped on by the cat. Mm. He's uh, oh, he's coming to visit. I don't know if the microphone can pick it up, but he's just purring away happily there. Um, so um, that's another one in the bag. Nice, another nice short one. Yeah, another podcast. Attitudes to risk. Attitudes to risk. I'm sure we'll have much more to say on that. Uh, as ever, you can find Richard on TMR Mindset and Mindset TMR on Twitter. That's Mindset TMR on Twitter, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Still going to bug you, that one, isn't it? It'll bug us, but I've, I've chosen it now, so I'll stick by it. Yeah. And um, if you want to know more from myself and get some weekly updates Monday to Friday, then search the hashtag Stubbornly Optimistic on Facebook and join the group. Bye for now, guys. See you later. <laughs>